So it's been already, it seems, a season of preparation. Uh, preparation stacked upon preparation. Have, have any of you already put up all of your Christmas? Uh, come on. Hold, hold on. I, come on. There you go. Uh, now, now, did anyone spend Friday, which was a beautiful, magnificent day, putting up the Christmas lights on the outside of your house? Oh, you all paid someone to do it. Okay, I see what happened there. Uh, I, I know how that went. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing the, the, the work of preparation that, uh, that we undertake in, in, uh, in this journey of the holidays. And we experienced some of that already in preparation for Thanksgiving. Uh, did any of you receive a guest into your home for Thanksgiving this week, a family member, a friend? You know, for us, we had our, uh, my youngest sister come into town, and, and we have a, a tradition in our household of preparation. It's all hands on deck. Everybody has to, to get in the game. Everybody has to be involved. And there's one thing that I know in particular has to be dealt with every time we're prepared to receive someone into our home. It's the boys' bathroom. Uh, the boys' bathroom has to be dealt with because it's a disgusting uh, space where, uh, where a teenager and a 10-year-old uh, just, just uh, run amok. I mean, the, the sinks are crusty, the floors are disgusting. It's just, it's just a gross environment. Well, my sister was coming in, and so we, we deployed the boys to do what they needed to do, and I tell you, they did a, an, an outstanding job. They prepared for the guests well. Uh, well done, Aiden. Um, but, you know, whenever, whenever we think about these things, sometimes uh, the unexpected happens. And even though we prepared in one direction, uh, something entirely different takes place. A few years ago, we were preparing to receive a whole host of the extended family to come to our house, and we scheduled everything out, and we ordered our steps, and we made sure that we were going to be ready whenever people started arriving. And yet, one of the distant uh, relatives decided to show up to our house three hours early. We still had laundry spread out in the living room. We had uh, brooms and vacuums going around the house. The cleaning supplies were still out. We had not gotten prepared in time. I don't know what you came here this morning prepared for, but I'm going to invite all of us to lean in and invite Jesus to do what he's prepared to do. So that it's not about our preparation, but it's all about his invitation. Because he's prepared a way this day for, for something to take place through his word and through our time together uh, that, that might be unexpected. And we might not think we're ready for it. But Jesus is always ready to make a way. So let's turn in his word to the gospel of Luke chapter 5. Uh, this is a, a magnificent story of invitation uh, to discipleship for Peter, James, and John. It centers around specifically Peter. Uh, Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me there as, as we dig into God's Word and, and have it speak truth over us and invitation over us as well. 
If not, uh, your Bible's in your lap. The words will be on the screen as well. Let's hear together the word of the Lord. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats onto the shore and left everything and followed him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, you speak to us today through your word. You have truth and, and, and opportunity uh, for us to encounter you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that, that we would meet with you now, that you would meet with us by the power and, your, and presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would move amongst us and in us, that we would come to know you more and more. Lord, open our eyes that we would see. Open our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we come to know and understand your word and indeed your ultimate will. Open our hearts that we would feel your power at work in us. And then in response, open our hands that we would offer grace on your behalf to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love to look at the patterns of Scripture. Scripture is full of patterns and full of rhythms, and, and some of them are more obvious and overt because they come in singular passages or in single books of the Bible, but then others uh, are, are more about the, the arc, the meta narrative of Scripture, and some are in between. There's one particular pattern that I find fascinating. It deals with one character and one number. It's the character Peter and the number Three. 
The character Peter in the number three, we, we, we know of this maybe in two different ways most commonly. The first would be Peter's denial. Jesus, uh, Jesus tells Peter, you're going to deny me uh, three times before the cock crows, and then he is betrayed and he's taken uh, into prison. And, and, and while he's in prison, Peter does indeed deny Jesus three times before the cock crows. And his denial resonates with our denial, like we, we, we know what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus, and yet we oftentimes find that we are incapable, it seems, of doing what we know we should and ought to do. And so the, the weight and the heaviness of the burden of his denial resonates with us individually, personally. We feel that burden. But it's not just the denial, it's also uh, the reinstatement. The denial exists in all four gospel accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all account for the denial. But interestingly, the gospel of John singularly focuses on the reinstatement of Peter. A threefold reinstatement in Jesus' resurrected form as he is, is teaching and meeting with the disciples 40 days prior to his ascension. In this time frame, he goes and he encounters Peter on the same seashore that we find in Luke chapter 5. On the banks of the Sea of Galilee, the lake of Gennesaret, one and the same, he finds, Jesus finds Peter going back to what he thought he once knew, the purpose that he thought he had for his life, that purpose of fishing. And Jesus encounters him there and calls him to cast his nets on the other side. And they bring in a great hall. They meet Jesus again. And Peter and Jesus have an intimate moment where in three different simple questions... Jesus reinstates Peter as the rock on which Christ would build his church. And this resonates for us as well, our need to, to be reinstated. That's the process of sanctification, that, that, that we have been close with Jesus, and yet we deny him again, and Jesus comes back around and invites us to be with Jesus again, intimately known by Jesus, comforted by Jesus, and put back into the ministry, put back into the fold. This sanctifying experience is something that resonates for us who know where we've been, what we've done, and need to be reinstated. These two threefold experiences of Peter are not the only set of three we see. The gospel writer of Luke, who closes towards the end of his, uh, of his teaching of Jesus, his gospel account, he closes with this denial of Peter, but he opens with the call of Peter, one of the first disciples, with a threefold obedience. That's where we are in Luke chapter 5. I don't know if, if you noticed it, this threefold obedience from Peter, but it's, a, it, it's an invitation into the story. And so let's walk through where we find ourselves. Luke chapter 5, uh, Jesus had moved his ministry from Nazareth, where he uh, grew up, his hometown. Then he goes to Capernaum. While he's in Capernaum, he's teaching and he's healing. In fact, he even heals Simon Peter's 
mother. And, and from that healing in, uh, in the gospel of Luke chapter 4, excuse me, Simon's mother-in-law, not mother, mother-in-law, uh, we see that there's an encounter with Peter already. There's a knowledge of who he is. There's an observation of where he's come from, his family of origin. And then he uh, enters uh, another encounter where Peter is on the seashore after a long night of failure. Have any of you ever had a no good, rotten, very bad day at work? Oh, yeah. Zach, Pastor Zach, felt the need to articulate, yes, I, okay, Zach, thank you for that. Um, you, know, you know, we all have experienced those horrible days at work where everything seems to be failure. I tell you, a few weeks ago, I had a morning worse than any other morning I have experienced in a few years of, of ministry. It seemed as though nothing, nothing, nothing could go right. Uh, we were running into brick wall after brick wall after brick wall, and I could not see way for breakthrough. That day, I'd scheduled to go meet with my wife for lunch, and Lauren and I sat at lunch, and she looked at me as my eyes glazed over, and I nearly wept in frustration at how horrendous the day had been going, and she said, just rest. We don't have to talk, because I could see that it's just that bad. Anyone had days just that bad? That's where Peter was. I mean, it's hard for us to, to, to really lean in because the story doesn't open that way, but uh, we get reference to that later on whenever Jesus asked Peter to, 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 to push out to go fishing. Peter says, we have been fishing my job, my employment, the thing that puts bread on the table, allows me to feed my family, my job. We've been fishing all night and caught nothing. Now, you would think if, you are, if you're a professional fisherman, you would catch something. It's understandable if I go fishing and I don't catch anything because I'm awful at fishing. And I don't know the waters that I'm fishing in because I'm always a guest on those waters because I don't go fishing often enough to actually know what the heck I'm doing. Peter, on the other hand, knows these waters Peter, on the other hand, does this for a living every single day. He's out there fishing. And at the end of this particular night, unlike other nights, he catches nothing. So we find Peter on the seashore, frustrated, dejected, maybe wondering how he's going to provide, how it's going to be made right, how the numbers will add up, his business will survive. Maybe he's wondering how it got just this bad. And he's putting his nets up, making sure everything's ready for the next night of frustration. And Jesus walks up to him. And he says, I need to get in your boat because the crowds 
are so vast listening to me teach. Now, if Peter was like me on most rotten, no good, very bad days, Peter might have said, pound sand, Jesus, I need to go take a nap because I am absolutely beat up from what was, but that's not what Peter does. Jesus says, I need to use your boat after you thought your work was done, and Peter obeys. Peter submits. Peter offers himself to Jesus, his boat to Jesus, and Peter and Jesus just kick off from the shore so Jesus can be in the boat and teach the crowds. And I, I imagine this scenario as Jesus is teaching the crowds. He has so much to say and so much for us to receive. And, and we, ha we hear some of these messages uh, in the Sermon on the Plain and, and in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we hear what Jesus has to say, not just to his disciples, but to the masses. And so we could imagine some of these teachings. But I also imagine Peter sitting there in the boat with Jesus. He's also receiving Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching on patience. Jesus' teaching on holiness. Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of God. It's pouring over him, washing over him as he's coming to know Jesus more and more. And as Jesus comes to the conclusion of his teaching, Peter might think, whew, I'm ready to go home, let's clock it out, I'm done. No. Instead, Jesus, uh, in this moment as his teaching concludes, invites Peter specifically to do what he does not want to do after a night of frustration. He says, let's go out into the deep waters and let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Let's go fishing at a time of day when it's less than optimal. Let's go fishing whenever we've already experienced failure. Let's go fishing when we don't have our whole crew with us, but it's just Jesus and Peter. Let's go fishing, Jesus says. <laughs> and Peter does make an excuse. Master, we worked all night, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, five simple words, Jesus, but because you say so, I'll go. How many times has Jesus asked you or me to do something that we think is foolish, that we're disinterested in, that we don't think is the course most easily or obviously taken, but because you say so, Jesus, I'll go. I'll do what you say. I'll, I'll act in obedience. I'll act in submission. I'll see what you have for me. I, I, I don't know what you have for me, but I'm willing to go along with you and see. And so Peter and Jesus go fishing. And, and 
as they go fishing, Jesus and Peter, they pull in the nets. Uh, they caught, it says, such a large number of fish that the nets began to break, which is, which is crazy because Peter just was mending the nets, right, washing the nets. And so he had just uh, done the repairs, and they're already beginning to break because there's so many fish. And, and they, there's so many fish, they have to signal to the partners, get the boat off the shore. So they get two boats, and they fill two boats full. And so this, this twofold submission, first letting Jesus in his boat so that he could teach. Now he goes and casts out his nets in the deep waters as Jesus commands, and Jesus provides for his needs. Now his mind has been provided for in the teaching, and now his body is being provided for in the food and the sustenance for him and his family. Jesus is a teacher and a provider, and this is so awe-inspiring that it calls Peter to fall before Jesus. He's overwhelmed with, with Jesus' ministry of love and compassion and care, teaching and provision. And in this overwhelming acknowledgement of who Jesus is for Peter, he is, he is bent over at Jesus' knees, it says. No longer eye to eye, but now eye to knee, Peter is there bowing before Jesus and the only words that can come from his mouth, Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinner. Peter is deeply confronted with his sin, with his, with his brokenness, with his emptiness. He acknowledges so clearly that he is unworthy. He's not worthy to even be in the presence of Jesus, the one who teaches and provides. He's not even able to come before and stand in his presence. I am a sinner. And, and this is so often our posture as well to Jesus's ministry. We hear of this one named Jesus, this one who came, who, 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 who taught, who was with, who was present, incarnate amongst us, who, who offered his whole life for us, and our response is, I am unworthy. We, we push Jesus back. It, it's, it's, this is so interesting for Peter. It doesn't say he ran from Jesus. Instead, it said that he said, get away from me, Jesus. He, he rejected him and said, I'm unworthy. I need you to flee from me because your holiness is not able to stand in my unholiness. I, I have to have you leave me because if you stay with me, I am going to in some way taint you. And keep you from being who you really are. I am unholy. You know, we think that we can get prepared for an encounter with Jesus. 
that if we just clean up those spaces in our lives that are crusty and disgusting, that we're ashamed of and we don't want anyone to see on a normal day, much less our worst day, then we would be ready to have Jesus come in. We think that we can do just enough good so that we could earn his his love and his presence, but Jesus isn't waiting to be with us until we're ready. Jesus is already here, ready for us. He's already inviting us right where we are in this very moment, whether you're ready for it or not, here Jesus comes and he says, I'm here. In response, in response to to Peter's uh, conviction of sin, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And that's really what that sense of unholiness is. It's fear. It's fear that Jesus isn't enough to meet our needs. But that's not reality. That's not truth. What Jesus is inviting is is for us to no longer fear, for us to move from the conviction that leads to an awareness of our brokenness to a place where we are so fully immersed in his grace and love that covers every sin. An awareness that his blood has washed us white as snow. That we're absolutely, unequivocally forgiven. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Don't be afraid, he says. And then he follows up that statement with, from now on, you will fish for people. From now on, you will fish for people. This statement of purpose, of meaning, of value for his life, for your life, for my life, his invitation identifies that his grace is enough and he has purpose and use for us, even when we feel useless and purposeless. He has hope today and for eternity. Now, I want you to pay attention to one nuanced detail in this story. This, this threefold submission, uh, this threefold obedience from Peter, uh, let me use your boat to teach. Let me cast out into the deep water so that I can provide. Uh, Let's leave your boat so that you could follow me and be fishers of men. Where is Jesus positioned in relationship to Peter throughout these three moments? Jesus and Peter are both in the boat. All three times. Jesus is never far off from Peter. He's never a... Di- I mean, think about a boat. I mean, a boat. It's like like, like th- these three rows right here. Like, like uh, why, does, why does Peter say, Jesus, get away from me? Because he doesn't have anywhere to go. Like, Jesus is right there with them. I want you to actually not picture it like a Sea of Galilee fishing boat. I want you to picture it like a John boat, okay? Like, there's little three rows, and there is nowhere to go. It's just you and Jesus. That's it, 
All right, and in that boat, there is Jesus. He's there as he's teaching. He's there as he's providing. He's there as he's giving purpose. He's there as he's forgiving. He is right there with you. And all the while, as he's with you, he's inviting you into deeper and closer relationship with him. And this is symbolic, symbolic of the fact that he never leaves you, he never forsakes you, he never abandons you, but he is always present, available, and ready to respond. Not based on your preparedness, but based on his preparedness, the, the cross that he already bore and the death that he already defeated. He's already here, ready to respond. So I don't know what you came prepared for, but I believe that Jesus came prepared this day to remind you of how close he is to you and to invite you to respond in submission and follow him today. I'm going to invite the band to come up, and, and, and they're going to play. And I'm going to invite uh, some prayer warriors in the church. They're going to come and, and stand at the altar. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do this day. We're going to spend some time in prayer, prayer in our seats, and also we're going to spend some time at prayer at the altar. And... We're going to see what Jesus is ready to do. Maybe Jesus for you is ready to, to release you from fear to freedom. So that you might know freedom from sin and, 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 and the shackles could be released so that you might journey with him. Maybe today Jesus is reminding you of, of the way in which he pursued you and you have an awareness of others that he is pursuing in your lives and you want to be an instrument of that, that you want to fish for people as well, but you don't know how and you just need to meet with Jesus so that he would be an encourager for you in that. Maybe you are having a no good rotten day, week, month, year, Maybe you've been met with sickness or loss. Maybe you've been grieving or mourning. And this time is a time of ministry where the Lord is inviting you to come and, and be healed. Maybe you feel as though you are so absolutely unworthy of love that today you're reminded that Jesus loves you that he is right here with you I'm going to lead us in uh, a time of prayer and then we're going to leave space for you to continue praying individually I invite you to come to the altar, to come to the altar and pray and meet with the Lord and receive his ministry this day. Would you pray with me? Father, Father God, we 
we hear of, of your presence. And so now in this space of intimacy with you, Lord, we acknowledge how very near you are, that, that you're in this boat with us. And so, Lord, um, uh, I invite each and every soul in this room to, uh, to acknowledge how very near you are, Lord, to, to be open to acknowledge that, to acknowledge that, that you're not far off and we can't push you away, that, that you have come near to us. In fact, you're, you're in that seat right next to us this morning. And you wrap your arms of mercy around us. And you offer a word of truth. There is nothing you've done or can do that should leave you lingering in fear. Rather, receive my grace. Know that I have purpose for you. So, Lord, in this time, I invite those who, who are experiencing sickness, who are experiencing brokenness, who are in need of restored relationships, who are in need of hope, who are in need of healing. Lord, all of those who are in need of you, of a relationship with you, of a deeper journey and walk with you, all that have a heart to pursue you, I invite now to this altar. Lord, to this altar to come and receive prayer, to come and receive healing. Lord, I invite you to move us into a space of submission, into a space of obedience, so that we might, like Peter, know what it is to be with you. As the Spirit leads, I invite you to come. Come to the altar and receive all that Jesus has prepared for you today.